Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. My name is Gianni. Thanks for joining us. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Because on Mainstream, the team behind Sifter.com.au discuss their experiences playing a variety of games. So there's big AAA titles, smaller games and indies, retro releases and anything that's been brought back to life as it seems to be the trend these days. It's all covered here. My guest on this episode of Mainstream is Edmund Tran, who's the managing editor of Games Hub, one of the best Australian outlets for games and one of my favorites. Thanks for joining me on Mainstream, Ed. Oh, it's so nice of you, Gianni. Thank thank you for having me. Um, Stoked to be on Sifter. Um, We're really excited to hear what you think about this game uh, that we're talking about today, which is going to be out today. Uh, If you're listening to us on the day that the episode comes out, we're, of course, talking about the spooky, deserted streets of Shibuya in Tango Gameworks' Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, available on PlayStation 5 and PC today. So let's jump right in. This is Mainstream. Well, what is Ghostwire Tokyo? So if people don't remember, this game was one that had, I think, probably one of the most charming debuts back in 2019 at an E3. <laughs> uh, Ikumi Nakamura, who's the former creative director, there's a bit of a story behind that as well, but you know, introduced this in a game, and it was a, a game that really stood out in comparison to all of the other um, games that were launched at that particular Bethesda showcase. Uh, we are making a new kind of action-adventure game. It's spooky. <laughs> but not the survival horror game that we are known for. People are vanishing in Tokyo. You must find out why. You will encounter conspiracies and the occult. You have to, you have to explore the world, face challenges to uncover the truth and save humanity. In the game, you will meet spirits, some are dangerous, some are peaceful. <laughs> and survivors that each have their stories. You will need to ask yourself, is this normal or paranormal? I ask myself this question every time I go to the office. Ed, how would you describe what Ghostwire Tokyo is? Look, I think spooky is a really good term for it. Um, you know, this is obviously coming from Tango, who've done, uh, yeah, they're led by Shinji Mikami, who created Resident Evil. So he's got some shops in horror, and Evil Within 1 and Evil Within 2 were some pretty gruesome, like, hectic horror games. Um, but this one, it's definitely turned down. It's it's spooky. It's got some horror influences. It's got some sweet monster design, um, but it's definitely... It's it's an action uh, it's an action game first and foremost. It's an open world action game set in Shibuya where spirits have invaded the world, and yeah, these the spirits are spooky. Um, yeah, it's basically a first person shooter um, for people who would be familiar with that. Um, it's a, a game which I think has does some really interesting things, does some things really well, but also leaves you a little bit wanting. Um, and I, I guess for me, what I really liked about this, just to start off with, is it really gave me a nostalgia for visiting Tokyo. I've been <laughs> to the places that are in this game and walking down those little streets um, and finding vending machines hidden behind you know little alleys that you wouldn't think that anyone would ever go down. Like All of that sort of stuff is there. And I think the world itself looks really 
engaging. If you look at the the level design, the world that you're in, it feels like you're in your place. Did, did you have that same sort of experience? Yeah, I, 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 I hate being like the guy who says, oh, I've been to to Tokyo like 11 times. I used to go every year. But that yeah, that's exactly what I used to do for Tokyo Game Show. And like seeing this, like after having not been to Japan for a few years, it's 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 crazy. It's I think, you know, I enjoy the Yakuza games for the very same reason in that they recreate a, a, real, a neighborhood in great detail and the feeling of the atmosphere of the streets, the people, just the little touches, um, uh, you know, just um, in the world are just so accurate and true to life that it really makes you feel like you're there. This one takes it to a bit more of a detailed level, I thought, because it's a first-person game. You'll be, like, snooping around. You'll be, like, sticking your nose, like, right, in, like, close up to, like, menus and signs. And there are, like, some very thinly veiled sort of um, imitations of famous stores like Family Mart and so on and so forth. So, yeah, the world of this game is just – it's it's incredibly well done. And, you know, it's a, it's a publisher – it's published by Bethesda. They have a shitload of money. Uh, a lot of money was thrown into making this world look as gorgeous and true to life as possible. Um, and it's definitely like the star, the highlight of Ghostwire, I'd say. I'd say the other thing that really I found super enjoyable about this was actually even just from my own perspective, you know, seeing a lot of the uh, Japanese folklore that was referred to in this game that you see mentioned in other games and you start yeah. to see the pieces where it's kind of coming together and you know that's what i really enjoyed because i'm like oh that's very similar to the tonberry knife that you find in every yeah. you know all of these sort of things sort of come together and you can see the layers there's a, a you know a, a collectible you find which looks exactly like a pokemon and you can see oh that was what they were actually referring to yeah. in that particular pokemon so for me that was a really enjoyable experience learning that sort of bit of lore a bit of history things that we'd kind of picked up on before in previous games and i'm just wondering about sort of that environmental detail were there other bits and pieces that you thought worked really nicely in terms of like how they set the scene outside of the world that's there yeah i mean well the, the 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 spirits that you mentioned like the yokai which is basically the japanese um super like it's it's i think it's kind of kind of spiritual kind of religious and it's kind of just um you know just their their belief system that uh that the, the mythology that they've created um in that everything in the world has a spirit um unique to it and you know if you've played games like yokai watch like they, they go into that but they're very specific very culturally specific games and you don't see this stuff outside of japan very often um the like concepts like you know the kappa and you know things in pokemon like certainly do turn up but i think that that aspect definitely brings in the, the culture specificity definitely makes this game uh gives it a, such a vibrant personality and really makes it so endearing. Like the, I really wanted to like this game a lot more than I did because the world building, the, the, um, the spiritual nature of it and the, the character designs were all so top notch. Um, yes. So yes, the, the, that, that, that aspect is definitely one of my favorites. Too. I think you've really touched on it there. You wanted to like <laughs> it a lot more than you did. Can you tell me a little bit about where, I guess some of the points where you think this game may not have met its lofty expectations or where it was. Yeah. So, so we've talked a bit about the world, talked a bit about the, the spirits thing, and you've talked to, you touched on the, the first-person shooter aspect. It's more of a, like a, a first-person finger shooter aspect because um, uh, the, the, the protagonist, Akito, has been uh, possessed by uh, like a supernatural investigator called KK, um, and you're kind of like dropped into the middle of this, uh, this rapture, like, you know, you, the game starts with, uh, Akito getting, uh, possessed. And so he's, he's thrown into the, right into the middle of this mis this supernatural mystery, which is very intriguing, uh, intriguing, well, intriguing, um, setup and all that. And 
you begin by sort of investigating um, the spooky goings on. You know, you learn more about KK. You learn that Akito has a sister in hospital who you don't learn a lot about, but is is apparently tied up in all of this stuff. And the game leads you through these sort of like little haunted house um, sort of set pieces where like you'll go into like a dark abandoned subway or like a like a hoarder's house and they they sort of show their their hand in terms of the their horror pedigree and um yeah they 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 make some really unnerving environments um like there's this really uh, occult meets high tech glitch aesthetic which i find um really cool and endearing and it's just um they they set up this atmosphere of a very spooky world um and a, and a supernatural mystery that is very enticing um for the first sort of couple of hours but then it sort of like opens up into being an open world game. You know, this is set in a neighborhood of Shibuya. You know, they want you to explore. And this is where I, I kind of realized what the game actually was and subsequently where it started falling apart for me is that it's very much an open world game with a lot of open world activities. Um, uh, it's it's that sort of um, that classic open world Ubisoft template mold of having a variety of different activities that you can participate in, uh, having them repeat across the map in a variety of ways, and letting you free at certain points between main story missions and just sort of go for your life um, and sort of just in, do, do, I guess enjoy those things. So you'll have things like um, the yokai, who which we mentioned. There are a few different variants of that uh, that you'll need to sort of capture to sort of um, you know, gain ability points or what have you. And each one will have a very specific mini game attached to that. So it's like, oh, I'll have to uh, hide while the Kappa eats a cucumber. And, you know, after a couple of minutes of that, I can go capture him or I'll chase, um, you know, another yokai down the corners of alleyways and that kind of stuff like that. And then there's all these things like collectible. So the, 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 the um, city is absolutely littered with lost spirits, which have sort of been raptured but can't move move on quite yet because they're still attached to this world. Um, and I'll say quickly that that a lot of that um, those lost spirits, there seems to be a bit of like a capitalist theme here. Like they're all like worried about their job and like their finances and school and those kind of like first world problems kind of thing, which I which I thought was an, I guess a nice commentary on on um, Japanese society and I guess modern first world society. Um, and so there's a lot of that. There's there's the Tory gates, which you'll have to essentially find around the city and purge with your spiritual powers, and that will unveil more of the map. There's this sort of killer fog that stops you from going out too far, but once you purge those Tory gates, more of the map will be revealed, and you'll see you'll find more, um, yeah, more mini games, more icons, more collectibles um, for you to collect. Um, you can find objects to 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 sell to cats to earn money. Um, all this kind of, I guess open world busy work that isn't like fantastic it's it can be very comforting at times and i know a lot of people really enjoy these kinds of open world games because they're like podcast games right you'll listen to sifter and then you'll just like roam around the world and sort of do these chores um to uh you know just keep your hands busy essentially but it really like where it falls but it really takes away from what this game does really well which is like the main story beats those set pieces the the spooky world the atmosphere and i guess to an extent the plot the plot isn't um, fantastic, but it moves quite briskly, and you kind of kind of want to go back to it. Um, and it eventually, the game sort of it, it it shows its hand in that a lot of the game, despite it being a relatively short game at like 15, 20 hours, is is made up of these open world activities. Like the the main story missions actually make up a very small part of it, and 
I kind of just, I, I, I guess I just found myself wondering why this was, you know, like there was so much great stuff in this game, but I feel like they had to draw it out a little. Um, I, I but- found when I was playing it, I did enjoy some of those side quests, but I in previous games, and in Assassin's Creed's game, for example, all those Ubisoft open world games, I just finished Horizon Forbidden West and I've cleared everything that could possibly be done. But in this game, I just moved to different story missions and kind of just did little side detours to whatever spirit needed to be rescued in an area, whatever side quest happened to be directly between where I was yeah. and where I needed to be. And that was quite an enjoyable way to do it, but I really didn't feel compelled to go broader than that. The only thing that kind of pulled me along was I noticed there were, you know, a few little collectibles and they give you a little bit of lore. And some of those things I thought, oh, well, I'm nearby. I'll go out of my way to go and get this particular thing. But I, yeah, they they did. It, it's it's kind of a, a tricky one because, yeah, it is. A, it has a lot of that there, but part of me wanted it to be even smaller than it is. And I'm, I'm starting to become more of a fan of smaller games. And even if it was a little bit less open world and you were a bit more funneled in direction through the through the plot, um, I'm wondering if a bit more of that might have um, made a difference. Yeah, I, I think this would have been a great 10-hour game. And there, is, there are so many instances, so many design choices in this game, which sort of sort of really point to the fact that they had to stretch this shit out. Like, so so we'll talk about the combat a bit. You know, you know, Akito has, you know, three elemental um like shooty gun power. So he's got like a wind power, he's got a short range water burst, and he's got like a long range like fire missile. Um, but the thing with this combat, it starts off really really slow and i mean that in terms of like it's actually slow to actually shoot your wind blasts um and it's slow in that it starts off really simple you start off with wind blast and that's kind of it you kind of just fire it really slow it takes a couple of seconds to do that and you know it's this is because the, the game wants you to upgrade stuff this game is an upgrade tree but you take a look at the upgrade tree and about 80 percent of that goes into making your um your powers fire faster right so the combat is is kind of slow and plotting for a good number of hours i thought and it only only picks up once you hit the chapter two chapter three mark where you start getting your entire suite of um of abilities that you can juggle um and the you've upgraded your powers to be firing at a quick enough pace for it to not be to not feel egregious um and that kind of baffles me because they, they've just like uh, artificially um, slowed these mechanics down just to have a uh, upgrade tree, it feels like. And as a result, they've added in a shitload of spirits and all these little tasks in the open world for you to earn currency and experience points to feed into that upgrade tree. And furthermore than that, like they've done things like the ability to um, actually absorb those spirits to earn your upgrade points takes a long time as well. It takes about three, four seconds to suck up spirits. And on the upgrade tree, there's actually uh, an additional um, upgrade path for that ability. So you can you can you can lessen the time it takes for you to absorb those spirits that feed into the uh, ability tree that makes your combat faster. And it all just feels so needless, so artificial. And there's I feel like they must have run out of ideas at some point, or they had. A much more uh, com- complexity planned, and it just sort of never got there. Um, you know, I mentioned in my review that by the end of this game, like I felt like you know I was just getting started. I had just the suite of combat had only just got to the point where I started to feel okay. 
but then, you know, th that, that was it. And I felt like there was so much potential there. If they had sort of truncated that, that sort of power growth and sort of got you to that point quicker and maybe had some, a few more ideas up their sleeves, it could have been a much more engaging game. They've cut out a lot of fluff, but yeah, this, this game has a lot of fluff and it feels a, a lot of it feels needless and not exciting enough for you to veer off the, the sort of, um, the critical path for you to chase. Um, did you, did you feel that way? Yeah, and I also found as a shooter, um, yeah. the control is pretty wonky, um, and I found that I yeah. overcorrected a lot, and quite often I got backed into a corner, and I didn't have a lot of those same abilities that I played in other games to get out of those situations where I'd literally been backed into a corner, yeah. and I was just having to mash triangle to heal myself up, and then yeah. you get interrupted if you try to pull out cores from enemies so you can damage them to a certain point. You do this big kind of like hand-weavy um, ultimate. Yeah. takes ages. It takes a long time. Looks cool. Gives you a little bit of a health boost, so there's a bit of a you know, a, a you know, a, a motivation to try and do it. Um, but quite often I found like it's easier just to like keep spamming the enemy in order totally. to just get them off the board because you can yeah. get swamped pretty easily as well. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you can, yeah. And you can upgrade all those takedowns too. So by the end of the game, you're doing those a lot quicker and they're more viable as sort of a, a strategy, but yeah, it, it all just feels so needless. What one thing that I think is really interesting and worth mentioning as well. And I'm, you know, I'm always curious we we're never always privy to what happens in the background of all these games, but you know, the game was introduced um by uh, Ikumi Nakamura at the E3, who was the creative director of, of of a number of the different games, I think Evil Within, um, and you know all of these other series as well. But she left partway through um, this the making of this game um, due to health concerns, and you know it has been a tricky time to make games. <laughs> the last well, it's tricky time to yes. make games. Full stop. It's hard to make games, but it has been particularly tricky over the last couple of years. And I'm just wondering if if factors like that have meant uh, that you know the there is that sort of lack of focus, perhaps, or you know maybe they didn't. It, a whole bunch of factors could have meant that this game wasn't exactly what they were intending it to be because situation hmm. wasn't what they intended it to be when they set out to make this game in 2019. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I do feel like a lot of like this this game feels like it has a very strong identity in in some respects um you know with with the horror elements with the, the japanese folklore stuff and then it also feels like it has a lot of um i guess i guess i'll say like western style like crowd pleasing elements like open world stuff collectibles all that kind of thing and so i i like obviously i don't know if it feels like there may have been a pivot at some point it may have been cha like changed direction at some point like it it definitely it certainly feels like that um because i feel like there's definitely two games in here and you can definitely like pull them apart and they would be two quite different experiences um yeah and i i think i noticed that akumi nakamura only really gets a special thanks at the end of the credits which i guess is you know increasingly common in this industry unfortunately like if you leave a project halfway through you're not obliged to get your your hard work um recognized um in the end credits of the game final product um yeah, who will never know, but I look forward to the no clip documentary that unveils all this in the near future. Definitely. Um, <laughs> can you tell me, was there a moment that really stood out to you uh, where you thought the game was doing uh, the best it could be? It was exactly what they'd intended to do, or a moment that you think about when you were writing your review that go, this is what this game was is trying to be? Um. Yeah, I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I'll say that towards the end, like I, I mentioned this before, but when when all the mechanics of the the sort of Shinto sorcery combat started coming together, it all started to feel really good. Um, and you actually unlocked the sort of higher tier abilities on the 
um, the, the skill tree. So once you'd gotten all the speed upgrades out of the way, you'd, you'd get stuff like um, you can um, grapple to the top of any building. Um, and that was a very freeing moment for me. I love like traversal in games a bit. Like this game up to that point didn't have a lot of, um, it, it, it's not really a movement-based game. Like you've mentioned before, you you get back into a corner and there's no real like dodge or like um, ability in combat. But it has some very basic parkour, and this once you get the grapple ability to sort of there are like these tengu around the world, and you can grapple to them. But this ability lets you just do it any way you want. That that sort of be, um, sort of opened the game up for me. It felt a bit more liberating. It made a lot of the open world tasks that you're asked to do as part of the core story progression in the later game um, a lot more uh, bearable, I suppose, because I liked the ability to sort of just explore all the detail they'd, they'd put into the city, um, you know, at, you know, at a, at a quicking pace. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it does come together at the end, you know, it like, like with, with many games, it gets good after 10, 13 hours, but that's not something, um, it's not something I would think I would have stuck with that long if I hadn't, hadn't been reviewing it. I'll say that. Um, but there was, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I, I t- went on the journey to sort of see the sort of technical artistry and the the art direction um, uh, chops that, that eventually got thrown into this thing. Um, I think, yeah. yeah, definitely for me as well. I think what this game does really well is um, that sort of interactive uh, horror experience. Um, you know, when you're walking through these sort of grubby hallways in the backs yeah. of buildings and, um, you know, objects around the world are like flapping up against doors to block you through Um, or there's uh, a particular moment where you're moving through a a building and all these um, pictures on the walls are kind of like flashing with that sort of glitch spooky aesthetic you were talking about. Um, Some of that really felt like that's something that's tricky to do in film um, but it feels like it's native in a a video game and I think it really nails that. So some of those moments, it's not a scary game. I didn't find it spooky. I was expecting to be spooked more like more jump scare sort of stuff, maybe because of the pedigree of this of this uh, studio. But I, I didn't find I was spooked by it, but it was kind no. of an intriguing kind of... Is that something you felt as well? Yeah, no, definitely. Like I, they, they nailed the really unnerving hallway feeling really well. And I love all those sort of occult effects that happen when you walk down a down a down a environment. And I think I, having played through the entire, and I think I've finished all the side missions too. There's like two jump scares in total in this game. Um, they got me good, um, but they don't rely on that stuff because they don't need to. Um, and I, yeah, that they all of that stuff is really really great. And I wish, I guess, that stuff happened more consistently. Um, yeah, who's this game for? Uh, well. Like, if you like Japan and you just miss Japan, definitely like dive into it for a few hours. Um, I find myself comparing it to the Yakuza games a lot, just because it it, it has a very similar structure, as in like semi open world, you know, side quests, um, main quests. But it's it's very different from that game. This I feel like this game takes itself very seriously, where um, whereas Yakuza has a comedic side that it sort of observes earnestly, um, and it you know makes it. It's very melodramatic too, but this is very straight down the line. Um, I, but I'd say, like, if you enjoy enjoy the Japanese environment, you enjoy exploring really dense met- uh, metropolitan areas, and you kind of need an airport comfort game, um, I would definitely give it a shot. But uh, yeah, I it's 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 quite hard to recommend because there there is a lot that you need to slog through. Um, at the beginning uh and i'll say that if you 
you you play for six or seven hours up to chapter two. You've you've I'll say you pretty safely have seen most of what the game has to offer. Um, yeah, I I hope the game does well because I really like Tango and I hope there is obviously a lot of um, skill in this um, uh, sort of shown in this game. This game's sort of um, I guess uh, construction. Um, and I really hope that they get a chance to sort of do another project with the same kind of budget again. Um, so yes, perhaps give it a shot if it seems to tickle um, your fancy. I I actually found myself quite enjoying the sort of Saki Cortana that uh, KK is in the background as you're moving yeah. through the world. Like, yeah, you know, I quite like just that too. Kind of commenting on like things in the shop, like just being an annoyed friend who you're just kind of dragging around. <laughs> and he, he's totally that tropey character of the like old master and he's taking the, you know, the, the young uh, apprentice along and he's kind of getting a bit annoyed with the way, but he does, you know, at moments, you know, sort of give you a bit of praise as well as you're, moving through and i kind of felt that relationship between them was pretty good actually like despite yeah. the fact that it's like pretty standard um fair of you know it's the end of the world your sister's been kidnapped you've got you've got to go find yeah. her for some reason um here you go um like i quite like that relationship as they, they sort of talk their way, talk your way through it yeah but yeah like, yeah he, yeah he's like it's like a grumpy 40 year old man you know, and um, you know he, he's really the only character that you actually interact with um, at any length because he's always with you. And I that that sort of generational divide of like Akito being like a like a Gen Zer and him being like a I don't know, his geriatric millennial, I suppose, and like sort of their differences it was really amusing at times. And I did like their banter quite a lot, and that's definitely a highlight as well. I I should sort of pay um, give that its due. It is the sort of game where I think if you have you know increasingly i find myself increasingly moving into this category as i get older but you know 15 20 minutes where you just want to walk in a direction you want to see something cool you want to do about you know a few little tasks feel like you've done something relatively mindless after a long day of work i really think that's the sort of game that would appeal to to people and i think as well even if you take big gaps between playing this game i think maybe that might be for its credit as well yeah because, you know I'd say i so think too. in a compacted space i think you start to feel the the like the repetitive tasks a bit and again same with those uh, ubisoft open world games but i'm wondering if you know you're jumping in it's the one maybe game you play for six months or something like that. Um, there's a lot of people who play games exactly that way. Um, you know, you might get a lot out of it in that, in that particular regard. Um, and again, I kind of was hoping that there would be, and the, uh, the photo mode I think is probably one other thing I would say, which is kind of a little bit disappointing to me because it doesn't mm. pause the game when you go yeah. into photo mode. And I went to try and snap, uh, a, you know, some screenshots um, for for the game, um, and I just got killed because I was just like, oh, getting <laughs> getting bashed. And it's really funny um, when it happens the first few times. So I, you know, I I couldn't get into that. But then, yeah. but I think if you just took, if it had a mode where you could just spend the time to explore or you know here's a bit of uh, you know history about this particular temple that totally. you're visiting like i reckon that'd be really like, cool yeah like an assassin's creed discovery mode kind of dlc for this thing we learn the history of um yeah there, there is a, i think there's a tiny bit of that but yeah I, I actually i'm looking forward to what they might be doing post-release for this because i they have the city it, it's it's a great it's it's so ripe for um so many different kinds of stories that you could tell in it um yeah i, I hope they get a chance to sort of build on this uh, so that is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, it is out today. If you're listening to this on the day of release, it's on PlayStation 5 uh, and on the PC as well. One of the last PlayStation exclusive, I'd imagine, from a Bethesda published game uh, ever to be made because they are now firmly owned by Microsoft. So it would be very rare that there'd be a PlayStation exclusive game. 
might be an interesting game for you. T- tell us what you reckon if you think it's really enjoyable. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream. So this has been mainstreamed by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing and our friends who work in the media as well. Ed, thank you so much for for joining us on episode 40 of Mainstream. Thank you so much for having me, Gianna. It's been a blast. Uh, thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music. And thanks to Omni Shio, our podcast host, for supporting uh, Sifter uh, for to produce the three podcasts that we've got. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Kyle Pauletto, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer, and my name is Gianni Giovanni. I'm the executive producer. Uh, now, Ed, if people want to find your work, where can they find you on the internet? Maybe have a read of the review that you've done for Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Edmund Tran, and you can find my work at gameshub.com. You can find Sifter online as well, sifter.com.au. We're on social media at Sifter HQ. Uh, and as I mentioned, we've got uh, two other podcasts uh, that we do uh, Lightmap, where we speak to game developers, creatives. We get a bit of the story of what it actually takes to make things in creative media. Spoiler, it's pretty hard, uh, but it's an interesting story to hear how people put these things together that we love. Uh, and we've also got a, a week weekly news recap show called Walkthrough, which comes out every Sunday. So if you haven't been keeping up with the news and you just wanted to get a nice 10 to 15 minute bite-sized recap of everything that's happened, that's where you can go to find out more. That's all for this particular episode of Mainstream. Ed, thanks again for coming on the show. Cheers. And until next time, have fun. <laughs>